set your goals with the journey in mind because you're going to spend most of your life on the journey, not at the destination. Five seven nine five success forces part four how to set goals for the life you actually want welcome to brothers of the word because brother you need the word and today I'm actually in a series that God has commanded simply called success forces there are success forces in life that when we follow these principles It increases our probability of success just as there are failure forces. And when we follow the failure force principles, it increases our probability of failure. We want to be successful in every area of our lives, in everything that we do. And now we're in the midst of just dealing with these success forces. And success force number one was called having specific goals and Success force number two was actually BBQ, which dealt with those goals. Last week's message was called Daddy's Home, and it dealt with the power of the success percentages that occur when simply Daddy is at home. And today, part four, how to set goals for the life you actually want. How to set goals for the life you actually want. Now, one of the things that we're going to do after this message I want you to wait until tomorrow. I want you to formulate your goals, listen to this message, and you can go to brothersoftheword.com, hit the contact, and I want you to send your goals in, and we're going to actually have a volunteer here at the church. I actually asked Phyllis to do this. She's going to print up your goals, and she'll be able to give those to you. They'll be available in the resource center, but you've got to send them because it makes a difference when you have them printed out where you can look at them. There was a huge difference between number one, people who had goals, and number two, people who had written specific goals. The probability of your success and the power of your success changes tremendously when you, number one, have goals, goes to another whole level when you have them written out and when you have them specific. So we're going to help you with that to be able to put it in an artistic form that you'll be able to get an 8 by 10 picture frame Frame your goals in that picture so you'll be able to look at them every single day. And the more you look at them, the more probability you will actually get those goals. And three things I want to tell you about how to set goals for the life you actually want. I could list 10, but I'm just going to do three because generally you can't remember past three. Number one, it's you. Number two, set your goals for the journey, not the destination. And number three, pick carefully who you travel with. Number one, When you're setting goals for the life you really want, there's a study that was made that I first read about in the book called The Slight Edge. And it said that only 5% of people are truly fulfilled. That's one out of 20. Only 5% of people are truly fulfilled. But those 5% all had one characteristic in common. And that one characteristic was they took personal responsibility for everything that happened in their lives. They weren't talking about, well, you know, 
I'm this way because of them and it's the system and the man and all this kind of stuff. This is the reason why, you know, folk trying to, they got it out for me, all this kind of stuff, and it's because of them. No, the 5% of people who are fulfilled in life all had this one thing in common. They took personal responsibility and they didn't let anyone else or put the blame out on anyone else. So if you want a life that's really what you want, you got to take responsibility for your goals. Now, this does not mean that there are not external factors. I'm aware it's all kind of external factors. If you are a person of color, yes, you will have certain things that are going to be disadvantageous to you. There's just no two ways about that. But that is not a reason for you not to succeed because there are plenty of people of color who are successful and there are plenty of folk who are not of color who are not successful. It's a factor, but it's not the factor. It makes a difference, but it is not the difference. You are the difference. Turn to the person and point to you are the difference. I'm going to tell you this. It's not even your religion. You say, what? No, it's not even your religion. Because it's a wide difference in Christianity. All who believe on Jesus, it's a wide range. You got all the way from the successful to the ones who are total failures and everything, and all of them believe on Jesus. So it's not even your religion that makes the difference. It's you. God is the God of us all. It's you who makes that difference. And when you start understanding that and stop using the excuse. And I had an experience recently with a person we hired and I was in the interview on hiring the person and I was talking with the manager after the interview and I said, well, I'm going to tell you now, this lady, I really think she can do the job and I'm going to tell you about her personality and what I picked up. This lady probably is a little bit of a pistol. So if you can handle the pistol part, she probably will work pretty good. But I could pick up in her personality, she's a little bit of a pistol. And when I asked her what happened to her last job, it was all about what them other folk did. We hired the lady. The manager called me on the first day. He said, Mr. Bronner, this lady is causing more confusion and commotion down here than a little bit. This lady is a mess. I went down to talk to the last. She said, this is the worst first day I've ever had on a job in my life. <laughs> and I told her right then, I said, ma'am, if this is the worst day that you have ever had of the first day of a job in your life, you don't need to be here. She says, no way in the world. And she started backing up really because she knew what I was getting to. I said, this is the worst day you've ever had in your life on a job. This is not the job for you. If I were you, I wouldn't even think about staying here. And I was trying to say, because I ain't even thinking about keeping you here. <laughs> so, and I called up HR. I said, look, get rid of that lady. Do not wait until the end of the day. Get rid of that lady right now. Because I see right now why the last company got rid of her. Even though she's qualified, her spirit is not going to fit in this place. But she was saying, it's them other folk. It's them. So when we understand and when we take control, when we take responsibility that what happens in my world is due to me, it changes everything because now you have the power to act and you have the power to correct the stuff and you take that responsibility on yourself. See, man's first words in the Bible, Genesis chapter 2, verse 23, and Adam said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife and they shall be one flesh. These were the first words spoken 
by man recorded in the Bible. He said, basically, this is bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. This is me. That's what Adam said. Then when you go down and when you look at his second statement, Genesis chapter 3, beginning at verse 9. Then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, where are you? So he said, I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you that you should not eat? Then the man said, the woman whom you gave to me to be with me, she gave me of the tree and I ate it. His first statement was, this is me. His second statement was, it was them. His first statement, this is bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. You shall leave your mother and your father and you shall cleave together and be one flesh. His second statement was, that woman. He went from this is me to that woman. From this is me to that woman. And thus began the fall. See, because I really believe if Adam had just fessed up, if he had just taken responsibility, I fired a man not too long ago because of that. He had basically found some property in the plant. He knew it wasn't his and he had taken the property. And when he was confronted about it, he lied. And then when he told that lie, he had to tell another lie. And he ended up telling about six or seven lies because he had to tell one lie to cover that lie, then another lie to cover that I fired him because of the lie. Not because, if he had just come and said, look, I found it. I knew it wasn't mine, but ain't nobody claim it, and I took it. I wouldn't have liked it, but I wouldn't have fired him for that. I fired him because he lied. It was the reaction to the transgression that caused the prophecy. I believe if Adam had just fessed, look, Lord, I'm going to be honest with you. That's just me. That was just me. I messed up. I know what you told me. I messed up. Yeah, I know the woman did it, but you put me in charge of this thing, Lord. I was the boy. I had full authority. I knew not to eat that fruit. I could have not eaten that fruit just as good as anything. I just messed up, Lord. Would you just forget? I just messed up. I believe if Adam had done that, I think God would have had a different reaction if he'd have just repented. But that's not what Adam, he said, that's the problem. Right over there. You see that woman right over there naked? Well, she ain't naked anymore, but she was naked. She was naked. So you see that woman who was naked right there? That's why I'm in this mess right now. That's why I'm hiding. That's why I'm shaking because of that woman right over there. So the first thing, just with just the beginning of man, he refused to say, this is me, and he wanted to blame all his problems on somebody else. He didn't have to eat that fruit. So you don't have to eat that fruit. You don't have to go that path. When you understand this is me, it changes your direction in life. And it's going to change the way you talk because you're not going to be able to talk about somebody else and how they are the reason for your circumstance. This is you. So when you understand that, it makes a big, big difference. When you just say those two words, it's me, it's me, it's me, changes a whole lot of stuff. Number two, Set your goals for the journey as well as the destination. Too often with our goals, we only focus on the destination. And to be honest about it, 99% of life is the journey. You know, we're moving towards something. We're advancing in a direction. It's not just when we get there. It's the journey. So set your goals with the journey in mind. Because you're going to spend most of your life 
on the journey, not at the destination. Ask yourself this, how do I want to spend my time? What makes me want to just jump out of bed? What do I want to learn? Who do I want to hang out with or talk with or work with? And set your goals based on those answers so that your journey is joyous. Too many folk have set a destination and the destination has not included the journey. They've set a destination, I want to be a millionaire. But they're stuck in a career or a job that they just can't stand. They hate going to work. They just don't like it. One of the movies that we saw at movie night was called The Life of Noah Dearborn. And it was about this old man. He was a hundred and something years old. And he worked on a farm, but he was just as happy as he could be. And they were trying to get him to move off of the farm because they wanted to put this big development there. But his farm was smack in the middle. He wouldn't sell it because the money just wasn't important. He had all the money he needed. So they sent one of the high-powered lawyers out to talk with him. And the lawyer went and he just he said, I'm not going to sell my property. So I'm getting ready to run right now and get me some wine. He said, you got wine? He said, yeah, I make wine. He said, you make wine? He said, well, come on, I'll show you. So he went out there and he showed him all of his contraption for making his wine. He had some apple wine and the big high-powered lawyer said, here, try some. He tasted, oh, he said, this is just so good. He said, I've always wanted to be a winemaker. And he said, well, why don't you? And the lawyer, he said, well, why don't you? He said, I've always wanted to do this. He said, well, why don't you? So the big high-powered lawyer went back to his employers who had employed him to go out there and try to get the man to move and said, I quit. I'm going to make wine. And that's exactly what he did. He had achieved his destination, but he did not enjoy the journey that he was on. He had the power, the prestige, the money, but he wasn't fulfilled in what he was doing. And this is the critical part. What makes you want to leap out of bed? What gets you fired up? If you're doing something every day, if you've only set the destination just in terms of finances, and if you have not considered your journey, you have a goal that you will not be fulfilled with. Consider the journey. It makes a huge difference. Ecclesiastes 5 beginning at verse 18 says this, even so I have noticed one thing. This is Solomon who wrote Ecclesiastes, the man with the greatest wisdom of anyone who ever lived. I have noticed one thing at least that is good. It is good for people to eat, drink, and enjoy their work under the sun during the short life God has given them and to accept their lot in life. And it is a good thing to receive wealth from God and the good health to enjoy it, to enjoy your work and accept your lot in life. This is indeed a gift from God. God keeps such people so busy enjoying life that they take no time to brood over the past. That's some deep stuff. That's some deep stuff. He said, eat, drink, and enjoy your work. How many of y'all plan on eating today? Now, the drinking, that could just be some apple juice or it may be some apple wine. Don't get drunk. He just said, eat and drink and enjoy your work. And he said, God keeps these people so busy that they don't have time to brood over the past because everyone has some painful stuff that has happened to them in the past. But your joy is not going to come from you sitting there brooding over the painful stuff that has happened in your past. Your joy is going to come from enjoying the stuff that's happening right now. And there's a lot of good stuff happening right now. 
And there may be some negative stuff and some painful stuff that has happened in your past, but when you can enjoy your work and eat and drink it, see, when you got a lot of negative stuff in, you can't even enjoy your food because you can't digest it worth of poop because you start having all kinds of stomach issues. So when you can just have you a good meal and a good solid belt, you know, food is an enjoyment. It really is. So Solomon knew what he was talking about. When you can eat, drink, and enjoy your work. And they found this thing in medical studies in the book that I read called The Great Cholesterol Myth that talked about this one community where they just had amazing health and they couldn't understand what these folks doing. And they had to send all these scientific researchers in to find out what was it that they really, what was causing their great health. And what they found, they found that the people just had great fellowship. They would sit around and talk for hours every day and they just had awesome, close-knit friends. They ate, they drank, and they enjoyed their work and their life. So the journey is critically important. And you can enjoy your journey regardless of what you're dealing with. You see, in college, my goal was to get a chemistry degree. Well, when I talked with my oldest son, he's a mechanical engineering major, and he was telling me that at his school, the number one DWF course, how many of y'all know what DWF means? DWF means courses that you either make a D, withdraw, or fail in. Basically, you don't pass because you need at least a C to pass. So you make a D, you either just withdraw out of the course or you just flunk the course. So he says the number one course that has DWF is chemistry. So I majored in the number one DWF course. And I believe I was the happiest man on campus. I had the hardest subject. I was the first black person to ever graduate from that school with a degree in chemistry. And I believe I was the happiest man on campus. I had the roughest curriculum, but I was the happiest man. Why were you so happy? Because it's not circumstances that will determine your joy. That's why Ecclesiastes talks about stop worrying about your lot in life. Everybody got a different lot. So no matter what course load you have, it's a matter of how you view that thing that makes the difference. And the other thing I noticed by the time I had graduated, there were a whole lot of students and they were just complaining about the professors were prejudiced. And they would say, woo, these professors just prejudiced and just failing me and all this kind of stuff. They just grading my test wrong and they just got, woo, it's bad here. When I got up into my upper classes, you were able to get prior tests so you could study prior tests from those courses. I got some of those prior tests and I looked at some of those tests. And when I looked at those tests, I said, wait a minute, these are the same students who claim the professors were so prejudiced. I looked at the answers they had. Them answers were as wrong as three left feet. I said, if anything, they were lenient, but they were blaming the professors for their failure. Don't ever listen to a student talking about it's the teacher. And I'm not saying that sometimes it's not the teacher, but 99 out of 100 times, it's not the teacher, it's me. And that's the way it is with most of this stuff out of life. It's me. And sometimes, you know, even as a group of people, we've got to get away from all this blaming other folk for all our issues. And it's not that other folk have not caused some of the issues. But that's still the past of you got to deal with where you are right now and what you have to work with right now. Don't nobody too much know history better than I do. I know all the stuff that's happened in the past. I know all about the institutionalized stuff. But you got to deal with what you got to deal with right now. You got to handle what you got to work with right now. You have to handle what's in your hand right now.
Because I am around too many different people of all different persuasion and races, and those same problems perpetrate, and they go through all races, period. You got to deal with what you got in your hands right now. Even when we complain about the standardized testing is just racially biased and it's bad. You know the number one folk who test highest in this country, they're Asians right now. English is not even their base language. So if anybody got anything to complain about, about the test being biased or culturally biased, it's the Asians. It's not even their culture or language at all. But they come in here, buckle down, study, and ace the test. And we're complaining about the test biased. And it may be a little biased, but there's nothing you're going to do to change what Princeton sends out on the SAT test. You need to study and understand how the bias works. You need to know the answer. Because one thing I will tell you, math is not biased. See, English may be biased, but math is not biased. So we have got to get away from this mentality of these other folk causing our problems. That's going to be one of the main things that will help you reach your goal. When you understand it's me, it's my responsibility, and I'm not going to blame this. I'm not going to blame my lack of joy on someone else. And the third thing, you need to travel with the right people. It makes a huge, huge, huge difference. We worked out yesterday. I work out each week, three days a week with Ringo Max, who's our trainer. And when I started my workout, I actually, I told you before, I asked my second oldest son, Josie's. I said, Josie's, will you work out with me? Daddy wants to get his body on another level of condition. You got the best body in the house. Will you work out with Daddy? Number one, I picked who I traveled with carefully. I picked the best body in the house to travel with. Josie's and I started working out. We got Ringo to start training us. Wasn't too much longer after that, my oldest son says, can I start working out with y'all? <laughs> then recently, my third son said, can I start working out with y'all? <laughs> so yesterday, at the gym, I was there. My oldest son was there. My second oldest son was there. My third oldest son was there. And all of them drove separately. And even one of James's son was there. And Josie's, the one I had picked, who had the best body, he was pushing things to another level. Ringo was training us, and he had us on this machine, and Josie says, I'm going to do 20 pounds more than that. And Ringo looked at him, and he looked at me, and Josie's went, and he did it. And then Ringo says, shoot, man, we can't let Josie beat us with that. We got to step our stuff up. <laughs> so we had to step it up. And then on the last exercise, Ringo has these barbells, and it would be three different weights. It would be a lighter weight and a medium and a real heavy weight. We'd do 30 reps with the light and 20 with the medium and 10 with the heavy, and that ended the workout for the day. So Josie's when he did his 30 reps with the light, and then he did 20 reps with the medium, and he did 10 reps with the heavy. And I was looking at him, I'm tired, I'm ready to go. Let me try to get mine through, and we're going to be ready to hit the showers after this. And then Josie says, I'm going to back this up and do it again. And Ringo looked at me, and I looked at Ringo, and he said, back it up, do it again. <laughs> so Josie started with the heavy weight, and he did 10 with that, and then he went to the medium and did 20, and then ended up, and it forced Ringo and myself to take it to another level because who you travel with will determine where you go. So these three things 
The most important is recognizes you. When you start taking that personal response, don't blame anyone or anything else. Don't even blame the devil. No, the devil ain't made you do it. You had a good bit of that yourself. I mean, I know some people under some demonic influence, but every one of the folk I know under some demonic influence, they done put themselves in that position to be around demons and almost in the middle of the demonic den. I don't know anybody just walking around doing right all holy and pure and a demon just done hopped on them. It may have happened, but I don't know them. Everybody I know filled up with some demons, got them demons because they were around folk with demons in the middle of some demonic mess, snorting some coke. Yeah, some demon going to get in you and you snorting some coke. That's no surprise. So I'm not saying it doesn't happen where totally righteous folk just demon just hop on. I'm not saying that doesn't happen. What I am saying is I don't know of any cases where that has happened. See, the devil influenced but it don't make you. That's a different. No, the devil ain't made you do it. So when you understand it's me, it's not even the devil. You've never heard me talking about what the devil did. That ain't no devil, that's me. Don't even put the blame off on the devil. Oh, this Satan just, oh, that ain't no, that's your flesh. Paul listed all of them. These are the works of the flesh. Just about all the stuff we dealing with, works of the flesh. I have issues with my own flesh. So when you understand it's me, then when you set your goals with the journey in mind. Now, your journey is not going to be everyone else's journey. Somebody, I think, from the ark passed me on the expressway this morning where I passed them. But anyway, I had my top down. And most of 95% of the places I go, I have my top down, even if it's 100 degrees outside. Most people cannot ride with me in that kind of heat. My journey is not everybody else's. If I'm riding with my wife, I'm going to pull that top up and cut that air conditioner on. I'm going to ride in a little blazing heat. And there's nothing wrong with that because most of you all wouldn't want to ride around and all that. I love the sun. I take in my vitamin D. I will ride 95% of the time in full exposure to sun and wind. That's my journey. So you cannot judge your journey on someone else's journey, but you do need to plan your destination based on the journey, based on what suits you, based on what makes you fulfilled in life. And it doesn't mean it's all going to be pleasant because some of the stuff not going to be pleasant, just like that working out. I don't love working out. No. But I at least make the journey pleasant. And see, when you're around folk, just like we had a good time yesterday. So even though the working out was hard, it was sweating, you're out of breath by the time, we had a good time because you are around folk who make the journey pleasant. It's me. Set your destination with the journey in mind and then choose who you travel with. Those three things, it's a lot more, but those are some of the three of the most critical things. Those three things will not just help you get to your destination. It'll help you live and enjoy during the whole journey. Life is a journey. It's not just a destination. My ultimate destination is heaven, but I don't want to live in hell waiting on heaven. No, I want my journey on earth to be joyous and full of joy, and it is. But that thing is a mindset, even when I got DWF courses. It's a mindset. So nobody can tell me, nobody, well, just because it's rough, that I got to be miserable. No, you don't. No, you don't. That thing is a mindset. Surround yourself with those people. Take it upon yourself, full responsibility, and set your journey. And people, I believe we're headed for life 
and joy and fulfillment and success that we've never known. I think we're just moving towards another level. That's why God told me, he said, your second half is going to be better and more fulfilled than your first. Now, by all natural, that don't make sense. He told me that at 58 years old. For most people, you'll say, they're over the hill. Matter of fact, some folks say it's so far over the hill, you can't even remember seeing the hump. So that's what folks say, it's over the hill. I ain't over the hill. But I've set my goal to get in better shape than I've ever been in in my life, and I'm headed for that. So don't worry about what other folks, and even though yet nature is against me, there's no two ways about it. It's harder to do stuff now because I am 62 years old. I'm eligible for Social Security right now. So, yeah, you can't just lie to yourself and say, I'm just the same as I was at 20. No, you're not. No, you're not. I'm dealing with some DWF folk. A lot of my best friends dead. So I'm dealing with some tough courses. When you're in your 60s, your body is not the same as it was. But still, it's up to me. And it's up to me and it's up to what I do in terms of whether I'm going to be just barely making it or whether I'm going to be full of energy and to do things that young folk can't even do. Because even working out with my sons, I got my 22, 19, and 16, and we're alternating on which one is the strongest and got more endurance. They don't just leave daddy. Mm-mm. They don't just leave daddy at all. Daddy be giving them a while. See, one thing about it, Josie said, Daddy, I'm going to this next level. I'm going to do this. But the thing about it, daddy did exactly what he did. So, Josie, you got to bump it up next time if you're going to leave daddy. So don't let circumstances, no matter how heavy or tough they are, don't let it stop you from doing what you want to and what you need to do. It's you. And yes, you can do all things through Christ who strengtheneth you, but he strengtheneth you. And when you understand it's you, you are responsible. You can choose whether to eat that fruit or not. You can choose whether to listen to the serpent or not. That's up to you. It's you. Choose your goals with the journey in mind and choose who you travel on that journey with very, very carefully. I thank you for joining us today. You can go to brothersoftheword.com and you can listen to the entire series called Success Forces absolutely free. I wish you much success in life. Thank you for joining us today at Brothers of the Word because, brother, you need the word. You are listening to brothersoftheword.com. This was part four of the series titled Success Forces, subtitled How to Set Goals for the Life You Actually Want by Nathaniel Bronner. This message is number 5795. That's 5795. To listen to over a thousand free messages or to send this message number 5795 to a friend, go to brothersoftheword.com. If this message has been a blessing to you and you would like to help support this ministry, go to IWantToGive.com. That's IWantToGive.com. Listen to BrothersOfTheWord.com often because, brother, you need the word. Oh, brothers of the word.